Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Joff Lacey. And I'm Claire Venice. We're on the hunt for bargains. And having a catch-up in this week's Peapod. If you love Petersfield... I love the square. The hangers. The open-air swimming pool. Lots of fun shops. Then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Joff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. This week, we're in the square, meeting with representatives from the Hampshire Search and Rescue Team. We also hear about how Petersfield is a great place to live for people with dementia. And did you know Gilbert White's garden doesn't only have plants? The P stands for Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The Peapod. Hello, Claire. (laughs) Hello, Joff. How are you? I know. I think we discussed last week you were going to have a busy week this week. How busy has it been? Yeah, it's been quite busy. <laughs> Tell us what you've been up to. Busy, good week. Yes. Um, a bit tired. Like yourself, you've had a busy week too. Busy week. We'll catch up with that in a minute. Um, yeah, I, I went to the BBC Gardener's World live event at the NEC in Birmingham. With which... your other hat on, your Growing Together hat, is that right? It was, yeah. I was invited up there. Um, very lucky, actually. I went to the pre-show um, event the Wednesday before the show opened on the Thursday. Um, had a little look around, met some people who actually I've been following on Instagram in the garden world. Right. And met them in person, which was a really fun. We all sort of happened to bump into each other at the same time and recognised each other, but hadn't met before. So that was a really good laugh. Um, and then also on the Thursday, did a bunch of interviews for growing together and um, again, met with some really lovely people. It's been a nice, nice couple of days. And did you learn anything new? Yeah, always learn new things. Every about day is a school day. Every day, yeah, <laughs> it is, and that's what's so great. And I think, particularly in the gardening community, people are so passionate about what they do. They love what they do, and they're willing to share. Yeah, and that's how you learn and, and um, you know try new things. So it has so what been was interesting. Your biggest tip you've taken away from this week Ooh. when it comes to gardening? Well, gosh, well I didn't know that you can actually eat hostas. Right, I'm going to show my... There you go, you're glad you asked that question now. What's a hosta? So it's a plant in the garden, Right. usually um, in a shady area, and hostas, they die back in the winter, and then they come back up in the spring, and also they then give flowers out in sort of spears Right. That grow up in the middle, and now you can eat those... Like you do asparagus. Wow. I know. Interesting stuff. Didn't know that. So know I that. met with a lady called Lucy Hutchins who was having, uh, who has created a garden there. And she's known on Instagram as She Grows Veg. And her garden was called The Secret Homestead. She basically grew everything that she had on the stand um, in her home garden. And she's all about growing edibles that can look nice as well. Very interesting lady. Look her up. But she told me you can eat hostas. Wow. Thank you for that, There Claire. you go. You've got to find a hosta now, John. I will. I'll have to look in a book what it looks like. But yes, yeah. I'll hunt one out. Interesting stuff. <laughs> now, you have been busy. Yes. Prancing around on the stage again, Joff. Yes, Claire. As we keep saying, there have been loads of photo posters of the Canterbury Tales with my ugly mug on it. And we started the show this week. Uh, we're doing four. Uh, we started Wednesday, so we're recording this Saturday morning. I recorded... We performed the first one at Nywood in their new village hall. Lovely, but it was baking. Yeah. Fortunately, I'm not wearing any makeup because it had been dripping off me. Um, <laughs> and then Thursday, we're at the museum in the forecourt. Lovely. We're at, it is a lovely venue to perform. I bet that was a wonderful evening. It was, and it was cool. It was outside. And then last night, we've done, we did the first of two shows at the Roundhouse at Butts Ancient Farm. Wow, what 
a place to perform. Yeah. All the Saxon huts surrounded by the hills. It's just just wonderful. Are you actually performing in a hut or are you outside? We're actually performing in okay. the roundhouse. Oh, well, lovely. So, uh, final night tonight. Final night tonight. Um, now, last week we did the skinny dip. Well, we didn't actually, we did didn't, we? We, we didn't. wimped out. We, we, didn't, <laughs> we, we wimped out. But the reaction has been fantastic, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it has. And I'm really pleased that people have enjoyed listening to the skinny dip episode because, I, for me, it was very informative. Yeah, but I think it's changed my outlook to a certain extent of how I look at my own body because we've got this perception that we all need to look. We feel we have to look a certain way. But I think what last week showed me that we've just got to accept who we are. All the participants just seemed very comfortable in themselves. So have you been practising that job? <laughs> well, I did... <laughs> at the dress rehearsal on Tuesday, I did say that, as it was quite warm, that we should all embrace our new naturism. <laughs> and how was that received? It wasn't received at all. <laughs> so we wore our big costumes. <laughs> maybe, maybe in the future, there may be a production you could get involved in, Geoff. <laughs> you set yourself up for that one, haven't you? And hopefully there'll be no posters of that. <laughs> on that bombshell, I think maybe we should move on and just say we would love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hi, you can contact us on 01730 555 500 or you can email us on team at shineradio.uk. Coming up, Stephen Martin talks to Amanda Buckley from Dementia Friendly Petersfield. But first... Hampshire Search and Rescue is a voluntary organisation who provide round-the-clock cover to assist the police and other agencies to search for vulnerable missing persons. The organisation is a registered charity and totally dependent on donations and membership subscriptions for its funding. Today they are holding a book sale here on the market and to tell us more is Patricia... Hello, Patricia. How are you? Hello, Geoff. I'm very well, thank you. It's nice to be here in the market today. It is, and there's a big crowd. Yeah, we've had lots of interest already, which is great. So, why are you here? So, um, I'm a volunteer for Hampshire Search and Rescue, and um, because we don't get any funding from the government or any of the authorities, we have to fundraise for everything that we do, from our uniforms to the petrol in the vans, the vans themselves, medical equipment. So, all of that is down to fundraising, and we've got various different things that we do to raise money. So, today we're selling second hand, or what we like to call pre loved books, <laughs> here in Petersfield. We've had a pre-loved book stall in Fleet. One of our other members has done it for uh, probably about a year now and it's been quite successful. So we're trying it here in Petersfield um, to see how it goes. And if it's successful, we may repeat it. Um, so it's a great way to recycle the books and get a bargain. It's only a pound for a book. So um, we've had lots of interest this morning. And do you do other events throughout the year then to fundraise for Hampshire Search and Rescue? Yes, so there's quite a lot of other things we do. We quite often um, turn up at some of the big supermarkets around the county with our buckets, um, so that that's usually quite um, useful. Um, haven't done it in Petersfield, but we've been up at like Forest uh, Lodge Garden Centre and, and collected there. Um, we do awareness events and turn up at things like the 999 days around the county. 
Um, and then we also do a little bit of marshalling for things like marathons and um, our first aid cover is very good so we've got some very well trained first aiders so sometimes they provide medical cover and will in return for a donation towards the group um, so those are some of the different ways that we can raise money we also apply for grants and um, we do clothing recycling as well through some of the clothing bins around and there's a clothing bin up near the town football club um, which is also raising money for Hampshire Search and Rescue. And what is Hampshire Search and Rescue? So um, most people have heard of mountain rescue, but we're, there's no mountains in Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually part of the Lowland Rescue Association and uh, our motto is from hill to high water. So basically, if anybody goes missing in Hampshire, um, the police are called, obviously, and if the police class that as high-risk, vulnerable, missing person, then we'll be called out to help search for them. It could be any time of the day or night. Um, we come together, usually in a car park somewhere, as many of us as um, are available at that time, split up into teams of maybe five or six people with a team leader, and go off and look for the missing person. It could be in woodland, it could be in the streets of a town, could be anywhere really so it depends where they were last seen and what the police intelligence tells us. So how frequently are you called out to do a search and rescue? Well that, that's very variable <laughs> so um, this year I think it's been a little fewer than last so far I'm not allowed to say the word beginning with Q um, but I'm sure we've had at least 30 already um, the organisation was set up in 2003, so this is our 20th anniversary year, and earlier on this year we did our 1,000th call-out. So over those 20 years, it's increased most years. Um, last couple of years have been about 100 call-outs a year, or just under that, so that's the sort of skill we're talking about. And as a volunteer, are you trained to, to take part, to, to learn how to search? Yes, yeah, there, we have quite a comprehensive training. So we learn about navigation, so reading maps, using compasses and, and getting to the place that we're searching. We uh, learn about radio communications so that we use um, radios to communicate back with the van. Um, first aid I've mentioned, so we learn some basic first aid. We all have the basic first aid life saving skills and then some of the medics are more highly trained. Um, we learn how to evacuate a casualty from, from an awkward position because obviously if they've perhaps fallen over in the woods, we need to get them out to somewhere that an ambulance can come and get them to. So we learn how to safely do that. Um, then we've also got some other sort of specialist teams. Um, so we've got a drone team that will obviously use the drones if, if it's a suitable terrain for that. We've got a high-risk team that go out on the water. So obviously there's a lot of waterways and lakes and rivers in Hampshire. So they can search on both in the water and along the river banks as well. So there's, there's, there's a lot of training and depending on what level you want to go to, there's you will do the appropriate level of training. And what, what made you want to volunteer? For me personally, I came to a point where I'd sort of finished one role and was looking around for an opportunity to volunteer in a team that worked outside because I, I wanted to be away from a computer. <laughs> and I'd spoken to one of the Hampshire Search and Rescue volunteers at, at an awareness event a few years ago, so I knew it existed and I, I went looking for their website. And uh, it was, for me, it was after COVID, so they were just started to, to recruit again. 
I think during the COVID period, obviously, there was, um, there was a pause in recruitment. Um, so the volunteer numbers had gone down. So we're building them back up again. As I, as I was going to lead on to my next question, are you still actively looking for more volunteers? Yes, so we are. We, we recruit for both what we call operational volunteers, who are the ones that train to do the searches and are on call, and also our support volunteers who would help with maybe the fundraising but not be on call. So we've got places for both. Um, for our operational team, we tend to recruit maybe three times a year. So at particular times of the year, our recruitment window will be open. We'll take in a group of maybe 10, 15 trainees at a time and they'll go through the training together. Um, I can't remember if our recruitment window is currently open, but it's definitely on our website. And do you have to have any special skills to be a volunteer? Well, I think you have to be willing to be called out of bed at three in the morning. Um, yeah, happy to be outside, be somebody that is... Um, we, we have a basic level of fitness, so you have to be able to walk um, five miles in less than two hours with your search kit on. Um, so reasonably fit. Um, but other than that, just be prepared to get involved, learn the training, obviously, because it is, um, a lot of it is safety related. You need to be able to, to, to follow the training. And to be able to be work as a team is vitally important. Very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't we wouldn't be able to do anything if we weren't working as a team. Now, here at the book sale today, there is a lot of interest, actually, in the, in the book sale here, the bookstore. So um, have you had people ask about volunteering as well? Yeah, we have. We've had um, one person actually specifically asking about, um, about the volunteering. So we've pointed him towards our um, website for that. Um, so, yeah, we're getting lots of interest. Come and find you. Now, I believe, looking at a post here, you've actually got a 20th anniversary raffle as well. Yes, so that's that's another major fundraiser for this year. So because it's our 20th anniversary, uh, we've managed to get a whole lot of really fantastic prizes from a helicopter ride and all sorts of other things, glider flights, scuba diving, hampers, vouchers, entry tickets to attractions. You know, it's a fantastic list of prizes. Um, we're going to have a fundraising day down in Gosport in August where we will draw the raffle, but at the moment we're selling raffle tickets as well. Just a pound a go, real bargain there. And uh, yes, so we're, we're trying to sell some of those on the stall. And do you accept donations via your website? Yes, yes. So um, the website has got a donation link on it. There's a couple of different ways that you can donate. If it's a straightforward donation, we're also part of the community lotteries in Haven't... Portsmouth and Basingstoke I think um, or you can come and meet us at some of the stalls and things that we're doing over the over the summer well, It's been fascinating Patricia, thank you very much for telling us more, you're joined by a couple of other volunteers over there, very very busy selling books, they're waving <laughs> thank I, don't you. Think, I don't think we're going to get them to join in I'm not sure they want to join us, they're shaking their head <laughs> but they're smiling, so it's great to find out more about the Hampshire Search and Rescue, thanks so much and, and good luck today. Thank you very much thanks. for your time, thanks thank you. If you'd like to find out more about Hampshire Search and Rescue, please do visit their website on www.hantr.org. The P stands for Petersfield. I think it's an amazing place to live. The Peapod. Dementia-friendly Petersfield was set up in 2016 to help increase the awareness and understanding of dementia across the town. Stephen Martin spoke with Amanda Buckley about why Petersfield is one of the best places to live, particularly for people diagnosed with dementia. 
Petersfield Shine Radio, one of the regular groups that meets in the town centre at the United Reform Church, is connected to Petersfield's dementia community. And one of the volunteers there is Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Hello. Hello. Nice to meet you, Steve. Likewise. Tell me about this group. So this group was set up by the Alzheimer's Society um, many years ago. And um, I came along because I was employed by the Alzheimer's Society and ran it for a little while. Um, and it was always such a lovely, friendly group. And one of the gentlemen who was volunteering was a chap called Jeff Williams. And um, so I've got wonderful volunteers but Jeff who we sadly lost fairly recently um, set up so many other groups as well helped by other local volunteers um, and we're very proud of it it's a group for people with dementia and their carers to come along um, and have a cup of tea and a chat and there's usually some sort of activity or an outside speaker um, because all the evidence shows that if people with dementia have a happy time that feeling stays with them not for hours but often for days making life so much easier for people with dementia and their carers and we're so lucky because in Petersfield there's a dementia support group every week anybody listening is welcome to come along to any of them and they can ring me 07 909 546 081 to find out about any of the groups or contact Community First in Petersfield. Well Amanda a lot of information there we'll put that on our website at shineradio.uk so really easy to find but tell me, you, you say that it makes life easier for the carers and for those who have dementia to have this social side to their lives. In, in what way does it make it easier? Because often what happens is that people get into a cycle at home of negativity. And it's very difficult sometimes to understand the, the brain of somebody with dementia. Um, but every day is a struggle. And some carers find that just by going out of the house for a few hours, it takes their mind off it and it takes the mind of the person who's with the disease away from it um, and coming into a jolly environment social I mean even for people without dementia science is now proving that being sociable helps you live longer so it's really good for all of us simply to engage with other human beings we're social animals and it's what we need and I know you're aiming to grow this group what kind of people would you like to join we'd like anybody with dementia to come along with ideally with a carer but if it's someone living with early dementia on their own please come along we hope to engage with local mental health services so that as people are diagnosed they're given information about this sort of group and how we can help and support them and thanks to your work and indeed thanks to the work of the late Jeff Williams we know Petersfield is one of the best places to live with dementia. Absolutely it is. Um, the Dementia Friends um, organisation, I think it was a joint venture with the government and the Alzheimer's Society, I think I'm right about that, um, some years ago, spread the word. They wanted to reduce the stigma and they wanted to enhance the knowledge of people in the community so that if you were standing behind someone in a queue and they were a little bit befuddled and slow, you know, you wouldn't get cross with them. One of the big biggest analogies I ever learned about people with dementia was imagine that you'd gone to an airport in a foreign 
part of the world and you didn't speak any of the language and nobody in that airport spoke yours. Imagine how lonely and frightened you'd feel. And that's often how people with dementia feel when they're outside of their comfort zone. So it's just trying to minimise all of that stigma. And in Petersfield, um, there are so many dementia friends. Jeff went around lots of local businesses and trained people. Um, so it is one of the best places in the country to live if you're unfortunate enough to be diagnosed with this condition. But it is possible to live well for a long time with it. And that's the message that we want to get across. Great to speak to you, Amanda. Thank you for that positive message. And if you would like to get involved with the group here and the wider community of people who are diagnosed with dementia, we'll put the details at shineradio.uk. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Claire, we heard in Stephen's piece there about the great work that Jeff Williams did for Dementia Friendly Peace. And we had the great fortune to meet Jeff a number of times whilst recording Peapods. We did, we did. And the last time I think we saw him together was at the Petersfield Awards last October where he was presented with an award for his work with dementia-friendly Petersfield um, and well-deserved and he will be sadly missed. Coming up, we hear how Gilbert White's garden is home to more than just plants. But before that, here's your latest What's On Guide. The Peapod Events Guide. What's on in the Petersphere? There's live jazz with Freddie Saxo at Gallery Number 30 on Friday the 23rd of June from 7pm. Enjoy a relaxed evening of live jazz with food and drink available to purchase. Tickets are £8 each. Vidal's summer show takes place at 7.30pm on Friday the 23rd and at 2.30pm on Saturday the 24th of June. The show is free to attend, incorporating performances from Block 3 and 4 students and is a highlight of the summer term. The Dean Rally Steam and Vintage Rally takes place on Saturday the 24th and Sunday the 25th of June. The event promises steamrollers, traction engines, vintage tractors and cars, trade stands and more. Tickets are £7 and proceeds go to charity. And looking forward, on Thursday the 29th of June, the Phoenix Community Choir is performing a summer concert at the Phoenix Theatre and Arts Centre in Borden. The concert starts at 2.30pm and is free to attend. If you'd rather stay in, there's always your local radio station, Shine Radio, to listen to. Available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can listen to a new episode of Growing Together, the gardening podcast from Shine Radio. In this latest episode, Claire and Steve discuss watering ideas, open gardens, wildflowers and too many courgettes. Listen to Growing Together twice a month for gardening tips, chat and interviews. You can find Growing Together and more at shineradio.uk, bringing you also a great mix of music and local information. If you're running an event, get it in the guide at shineradio.uk. Shine Radio's resident drinks expert, Phil Humphreys, has been out and about searching for the perfect pint, and he recently visited a brew house at Gilbert White's house. I'm here at Gilbert White's house, not for the botany, not for the Antarctic exploration, not for the beautiful grounds. I'm here for beer. Gilbert White built a brew house in the grounds of his house in 1765. Many people throughout history brewed their own beer as water was often contaminated and led to illness. And in a letter dated 10th of January 1781 to Thomas Barker, Gilbert explained his methods. I only know that my strong beer is much admired by those that love pale beer, 
made of malt that is dried with billet. My method is to make it very strong and to hop it very moderately at first and then to put in it at two or three times half a pound at a time of scalded hops before I tap it. This is the Wilts method and makes the beer as fine as rock water. My name is Gren Ernie. I am one of the volunteer brewers at Gilbert White's Brewery in Selborne. The brewery was established by our local parson, Gilbert White, who's internationally known as a naturalist and an inspiration for Charles Darwin. He died in 1792 and the brewery then fell into abeyance until about 2016 when the museum which houses the brewery was in receipt of about a two and a half million pounds uplift at that point the trustees looked at the original brew house and thought that they might be able to brew in it they gave it to an architect who clearly knew nothing about brewing and did a design which would have given us three very large vessels in there but no room to move. (laughs) Uh, And at that stage they then thought, well, if we can't use it for a brewery, perhaps we can use it for an archive or a store. And that's when I got involved. The directors, Steve and Jude, had just taken up appointment and I nobbled them at a, a meeting here and said, this is ridiculous, it's a brew house, we need to brew. So to cut a long story short, I took myself off to Salford to a brewery for five days, learned how to brew, because I didn't have a background, and came back and convinced them that, in fact, there was enough room in there for us to set up a nano-brewery. So a nano-brewery, even smaller than a micro-brewery. Nano-brewery, even smaller. It it is the smallest commercial-sized brewery that you can get, and probably without volunteers it wouldn't even be commercial. It's one brewer's barrel, so if you think of those metal casks that are sitting outside of pubs Uh, it's three of those casks plus about another 30 or 40 bottles so that's Mm -hmm. how much we can brew in a single brew applied to uh, the european commission uh, and received a grant of 17,000 pounds from them south downs national park came up with another 5,000 through our local district councillor we got another thousand from east downs district council and then the rest of the money to set up came from individuals in the village who provided either 250 or 500 pounds as foundation members all in all we got the equipment installed in november 2019 on john elder and i brewed our first beer in time for the christmas event here at the museum of course at that stage we weren't allowed to sell the beer all we could do was to give it away oh goodness me oh absolutely awful it meant of course that as people were going by we said do you fancy trying some of our beer i think 150 of them said yes (laughs) uh, quite happily automatic reaction from all of them was oh we'd buy this and that was the first beer that we brewed in november 2019 But things have moved on a lot from there because you are selling your beer now and you're having many different events. So tell me a little bit about where the beer is sold because I think there's an interesting little outlet you've got, isn't there? There is indeed. We started off uh, simply stocking the, the beer in bottles in White's Cafe, which is on the museum site and in the museum shop. Of course, we then hit something called lockdown, which 
did tend to muck things up very slightly, and I'm, I'm going to put this in because I think it's important. John and I looked at the regulations, and it said if you're volunteers for a charity undertaking work that you can't do at home, you're allowed to keep going. So we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once we got HMRC approval to both brew and to keep beer, we were then brewing on a regular basis right the way through lockdown. And, of course, it meant that we were... Selborne's fifth emergency service because they were still able to buy the beer. In terms of our outlets, we have just across the road in what used to be the Queen's Hotel an outlet which is the Jubilee Tap Room, which we opened just before Christmas. And this is your community pub, isn't it? It is very much a community pub. The uh, developer had gone through various phases of uh, application and eventually settled on putting holiday flats in on the first and second floor. Uh, So some very nice holiday flats that are now available to to rent. And the ground floor, he said to the museum, OK, it's yours, peppercorn rent for 99 years. And the trustees said, that's great. We might think about putting in some sort of tap room at the front. So myself and Andy, another one of our uh, volunteers, set to build the bar went up to Stoke-on-Trent and picked up a dozen pews from a Methodist chapel, brought them down, fitted those, and of course we now have the Jubilee Tap Room, which is there and open Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays. And these pews, they didn't spontaneously combust, having come from a Methodist chapel once you moved them in there? Not at all. Um, So, yes, those are the seating that we have in there, Uh, and we're we're finding that we're, we're getting people down from London, Camberley, Winchester, Southampton, that are coming and joining us um, because the reputation of the beer is such that it is enjoyed by many. Excellent. And it isn't just one beer, is it? You've got a range of beers. Absolutely right. The range of beers goes from 3.4%, which is our mild, which we brewed especially for the... You actually brew a mild? We brew a mild. It It is so rare to find a mild anywhere these (laughs) days. It is. It was brewed to specification. It's an original recipe which we um, came up with ourselves, and it was brewed specifically for the coronation hence as a coronation mild i think we'll keep brewing it beyond that we've got a, a golden ale which we brewed for the first time for the end of lockdown uh, and people kept saying we like this you've got to keep brewing it so we do and then we have an interesting ale that's brewed using green hops both from the garden here at the museum and from the hedgerows around some of our gardens they go in green it produces a very nice premium bitter Beyond that, we then have an American-style cloudy IPA at around about 4.5%. And then, because the museum here has installations both about Gilbert White and about the Oates family, including Captain Lawrence Oates, who was part of the expedition to Antarctica, we thought that we really ought to brew something in his memory. So we did some research and came up with a recipe for something that's been around since about 1821. And that's a traditional English IPA. Beyond that, we have our strong uh, zigzag ale, uh, which is about 6.3%. We've also got our Bostel ale, which is 4.3%. And if anyone knows Selborne, you'll, they'll know of the zigzag path, which takes you from... Very, very steep, yes. Takes you from just behind the pub up to the top of the common, 
And then there is the Bustle Path, which is also at the side of the, the hill, but le- less steep. <laughs> and we came to the conclusion that if we called one zigzag, that would get us to our finishing point pretty quickly. If, on the other hand, we chose Bostel for another name, you get to the same place, but it just takes a little, takes lo- a little longer, longer to get there. I love there. that. Gren, thank you so much for talking with us today. No problem. The P stands for Petersfield. I think it's an amazing place to live. The Peapod. And so we come to the end of this week's Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to our guests, Patricia, Stephen Martin, Amanda Buckley, Phil Humphreys, Jerry Earnley, our editor, M. Sefton-Smith, and of course, the Shine Radio team. So from Joff and I this week, bye. bye. Come on, Petersfield, let's build a band. A beat from Dragon Street and a snare from the square. A bass from Penn's Place, a gliss from Liss. And a fill from Bell Hill. Ooh, some vocals from us locals. And the Dave Gilmore of Tilmore. Only Petersfield's Shine Radio plays original music from local musicians. The Local Showcase with Mandy P is sponsored by Brickyard Studios. Petersfield's professional recording studio, rehearsal space and PA hire. The Local Showcase, Thursday nights at 9 and always online at shineradio.uk.